my people. What I know. <laughs> we back with another episode of All Black Men Need Therapy. Season 3, Episode 2. My name is Chief. And I'm Bell. And I'm Prentice. And we about to get the ball rolling. Fellas, we approaching we approaching uh Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. I love and respect what you what you both do as men, as fathers. So salute to you fellas on that regard. Yeah, yeah, man. That's all for us, man. Respect your punk ass too. No doubt. Um, <laughs> um we gonna check in first. Bellhead, talk to me, cuz. Yo, it's funny because leading up to this, I'm like, I know I got to do a check-in. And I had so many things on my mind. And then as I got to uh, answer the question, I don't I don't have anything. You got nothing? Nothing? Um, I don't – yo, I got so much stuff going on <laughs> that I don't know, like, what to say. Like, that's, that's kind of – where I'm at, All right. you know what I mean? So then let's do it. Let's let's do it like this. Mentally, scale of one to ten, where you at? Me- mentally, that's a good question. Um, I'm in a good mental space, but from a from an from an operation, like from an operator standpoint, like in terms of things that I have to get accomplished, I got it's a lot. You know what I'm saying? That I'm juggling, but um, but a good mental space. Like I feel good about where I am. I don't. I'm not. I'm not overwhelmed to the point where it. It um, inhibits me to get done what I need to get done. So put a number. I'm on, good. Put a number on it. Oh, I didn't give you a number. Mental, no. Mentally, I'm an eight, man. I'm a strong eight mentally. Yeah. Physically. Physically, I got so oh, okay. There's a check-in for you. I got a uh, pool party coming up on the fourth for my man wedding. So I'm I'm I'm, oh, I'm, shit. Gonna, I'm going two weeks hard in the gym. By general, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't take me long to get results, baby. You know what I'm saying? So two weeks and I'm good. <laughs> good Monday. Uh, same thing. I'm gonna be at that same pool party. So you know, what I mean, I'm getting I'm trying to get right for it. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm doing good on that regard. Mentally, I'm I'm like a, I feel good, man. I'm like a like a nine. I, I'm solid. Like I feel real good. My kids are happy and healthy, and uh, we rolling. So. I'm pushing through a little bit of adversity, but it's just like, you know, any other day. Keep the party balling. Keep the party going. Prentice, uh, we saved you for last intentionally today because I know this is this episode is going to be mostly about, you know, uh, breaking down your recent experiences and whatnot. So it's a way for Bell and I to kind of show support for the homie and let him get some shit off his chest. And I think it's important that, you know, we – as, as black men in general, take an opportunity to be there for your fellas when they need it and, and, and check in. I know we we already know the story. We've heard the story. We've checked in before prior to this conversation, but I'm, you know, I'm happy you're going. It's already public, so but I'm happy we get to share it here and get to break it down together, you know what I mean? So floor is yours, homie. Holla at us. Ah, shit, man. Well, just for the mental check, man, um, I kind of feel like I can speak on it now because uh, a situation has changed. So three weeks ago, uh, my little sister, she she suffered from cancer for years, man, bone cancer. And uh, three weeks ago, we were given information that uh, the doctor had said that she had about a month to live. This was three weeks ago um, because of the cancer. So um, a lot has transpired since then, man. She, she wanted to have a family get together the day after she found out the news which meant that uh, 
I had to go out to Sacramento and, you know, visit her and I saw my dad and, you know, people who've been tuned in know what, what that's like. So um, that was the first time I've seen him since uh, conversation. You know, we didn't speak, just kept that in passing. It was awkward. Uh, but I say all that to say that uh, last uh, last week, um, you know, we found out her chemo treatment took away 50 percent of the cancer. Um, so just like that, you know, 50 percent of the cancer is gone. And three weeks ago, you know, we was expected for her to be here no longer than mid this month. So, you know, I think that's just a testimony how God works. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yesterday I, I went that. down to UC David. What's up? No, go ahead. Uh, I'm a I said yesterday uh, I went to UC Davis because uh, I had to get my blood drawn to see if I could be a stem donor because she's now eligible uh, for stem donation to see if we can get those cells rebuilt to kind of fight um, the spaces where, you know, the chemo treatment isn't working, man. So um, that has been just an interesting thing with me kind of having to put life into perspective. And I've never had anybody really close to me pass away other than maybe one or two people. So the way I view death is really, really different. So, you know, she's really, really important to me. So it was, uh, it was interesting, man. Um, flip side of that is that I'm in, hold on. What's up? I just want, I just want to say that when we had this conversation a couple weeks ago, I put on my positive hat. I was like, get P stay positive. And you was real like, nah, the yeah. doctor said, the doctor said, the doctor said, I'm like, fam, it's going to be all right. I kept telling you that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's great to hear that, you know, that it took a turn for the better, yo. Yeah, man, it's, it is. And the, the crazy part about that is that, you know, this has happened in the dynamic, you know, I'm still on the on the, the mental health check, man. I'm in the best position. You know, we're in the best position we've been as far as taking care of our family, um, which is great. You know what I mean? Feel good when you can take care of your family, man. So um, that's a good thing to kind of contrast what I've been dealing with there. But uh, are we just going straight into the to the to the hospital? Yeah. Is that what we're doing? So, so yeah, we can do that. So long story short, for those of you who may not know, who don't follow Prentice, Prentice individually, and, you know, if you follow the podcast, Prentice recently had a baby shy two and some change now, pushing no, three. Two months, uh, today. two months today, 420. <laughs> today, the, today, the 20th, today, the 15th. I think it falls on like 60 days, but I, I that's, that's <laughs> All right. So we now we're going to two months today. Prentice got a got a got a newborn in the crib and you know he's 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 jumping with joy and all that good stuff. But in the process of having a baby, went through some pretty traumatic experiences, he and his lady. And uh it's it's gone public, been all in the newspapers and whatnot, but you know, he he's he's willing and welcome to share it with us and, and you all so we can, you know, break it down and help my help my homie heal. Shoot, homie. All right, man. I'm, I'm I'm gonna give the abbreviated version because I've I've told the story so much and now I think I'm in an emotional pocket that's really, really secure to be able to kind of, you know, give the key points and, and, and pull what we need to out of this for this episode. Long story short, we got pregnant and knew immediately that we wanted to do natural home. Uh, we want to have a natural birth. Um, so we found a birthing center here in the Bay Area. Shout out uh, to Pacifica Center in Berkeley. Uh, we found a black midwife. We knew that was very important. And we did all this because we have heard all of the horror stories about how they treat and take care of black women who are in labor in hospitals. And we did not want that to happen. Sarai was absolutely adamant that she wanted natural um, birth. That was where she wanted to go. I learned about it. I was with it. 
So fast forward uh, all the way up into seven months of pregnancy. We're having our regular visits uh, at the birthing center. Everything is going great. Um, then we have two times where we're rushing to the birthing center. Dur during Sarai's last three months, I would drive her to work and pick her up every day. I just, we, I, that's just how I am. I ain't want to drive in or anything. So um, twice a week, we'd have an appointment at the birthing center where we'd go in, she'd have the appointment, and then I'd drop her off at work. There were two times that we were late, two times in a row. And uh, Sarai has anxiety. So when we were late, she's rushing to get to the birthing center on time. Then she's rushing to get them work on time. Keep that in mind. So when they take her blood pressure reading, her blood pressure is high as soon as she gets there because she's nervous and scrambling and trying to be on time and trying to get to work. So this happened two consecutive times. So when your blood pressure reading is higher than it needs to be twice, um, it's determined that you can no longer have a baby at the birthing center and now have to be in hospital care because they have to. there's certain things they can't do at the birthing center that they can do at the hospital. Um, so we started having to go to the hospital and our very first experience, um, so I was really nervous, you know, we're, we're, we're down, we're, we're sad that we can't have the baby at the birthing center. Uh, and we go to the hospital and they hook her up to this machine because they have to check the fluid levels of the baby, make sure the baby's heart's beating, all this stuff. Um, so we get there to the hospital and obviously Sarai's upset. Um, this is just for a checkup. Obviously she's upset because you know, she's now been told that she can't have the baby at the birthing center, now having to go to this hospital. Um, and after the first time, you know, one of the doctors at the end of our appointment was like, you know, we understand that you guys are coming from the birthing center, but we need you to take this very seriously because if you don't listen to the information we're giving you, your baby can die, your baby will die. And that was what they said to us the first time we went in there when we were leaving the appointment. And it didn't click to us until we got in the car and I was like, Wait, did she just say our baby is going to die if we don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, just the verbiage. It just was like, it, it, it registered like 45 minutes later, you know? So we were like, that didn't sit well with us. So we went back to the birthing center because we still have our checkups there. We just have to now go um, to the hospital as well. And once they saw that a couple of readings were at baseline, we were allowed to go back to the birthing center. So there was a couple of weeks where we thought we were not going to be able to have the baby at the birthing center, but because her blood pressure readings had smoothed out because we weren't rushing to the hospital. They were like, okay, everything seems to be fine. So you should be able to have the baby at the birth center. Um, but we expressed to them that we felt really uncomfortable about the statement that that, that doctor and, and the nurse had made to us while we were there. And one thing we would notice when we would do our weekly checkups is that they'd use a lot of scare tactics in the hospital. They'd hook her up to a machine and they'd say, you know, we, we need to track the movement of your baby to make sure everything's straight. But the problem would be we'd go in at 8.30 in the morning, and that's during the time that the baby would be asleep in Sarai's stomach. And Sarai would constantly tell them, you know, like, if we don't see readings for the baby's moving, it's probably because she's asleep, because she typically, you know, she knows her body, she knows her baby, she knows when her baby sleeps. But they didn't really seem to ever listen. So they would say things like, oh, we're not seeing movement. So, you know, this is concerning for us. If we don't see movement within, you know, 15, 10 minutes, we may have to be talking about C-section. Keep in mind, we're just supposed to be going here for these readings and we're still going to the baby, uh, the birthing center. So now they're mentioning C-sections where we're only there for readings and we're like, whoa, whoa. And then turn, things would turn out to be fine. The baby would move, um, they'd see what they needed to see, but they would kind of plant these kind of like seeds of doubt or anxiety or urgency on us while this process was happening, which we just didn't like. So it got to a point where we were like, um, 
we don't want to go back to there at all because every time we go there, they're doing these scare taxes. They're talking about C-sections. They're talking about the baby's not moving, all these things. And they're never listening to Sarai kind of talk to them about her body, her baby, and the patterns. So we have a, a couple of weeks where we're able to just, you know, go to the birthing center mostly and only go there for checkups. But what happens is there ends up being a checkup at the hospital where they're showing that um, the baby's fluid levels are low inside of Sarai's stomach. So as a result of that, that means that the placenta could be failed. And because uh, Sarai went 42 weeks, at 41 weeks, they were really concerned because you can only go up to 42 weeks. So that was a sign that the placenta may be failing because the fluids uh, levels were dropping. So we go in for a checkup on what, 8-15, um, April 15th to the hospital. And they see that the fluid levels are extremely low. So what they say is that, oh, we have to, I believe this was like a Friday. They were like, oh, you know what? We have to admit you into the hospital right now because a baby's fluid level are low and we need to see what's going on. So we're totally unexpected. We get admitted into the hospital on a Friday. Kids are in school. We got to make all these cuffs. We can't leave, obviously. Um, and Sarai is just very, very distraught. Fast forward. We talk to a couple of nurses. They can see that she's distraught. They can see that she doesn't want to be there. You know, everything about it makes her nervous. So as nurses come in after we get admitted, they, they start off their sentences with, we know you guys came from the birthing center. You know, um, one of the first nurses who's seen it said, we know you came from the birthing center. Don't worry. We'll try to make the experiences as, as close possible. You can have a baby standing on your head here if you want to. Ha, ha, ha. That stood out because we're like, why are you making a mockery of, of, of just natural birth? That's unnecessary. So as the as the time goes along, keep in mind, the day before we got admitted is when uh, Sarai started to have really, really intense contractions. Um, so she was already contracting when we got admitted into the hospital on a Friday. Um, as each day goes by, they have shifts that are 12 hour shifts. So they rotate. They work from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., the nurses and the midwives are and each nurse that comes in keeps saying, we know you guys don't want to be here. So we pick up this narrative that for some reason, everybody thinks we're just so don't want to be here, don't want to be here. When all it was that Sarai was really upset when we first got in there and expressed that this is not how she planned on having her baby because of X, Y, and Z. She expressed the reasons and the things of that nature. So the days go by and Sarai is contracting and they're not really doing anything. They're suggesting movements, things of that nature for her to lay certain ways just to see the baby moving. And when the baby wouldn't move, or when she did move, the baby's heart rate would drop because they had her on a heart rate monitor. Um, and one thing they requested to do when we got there initially was they wanted to put her on a consistent monitor, meaning she was monitored 24 seven. Sarai declined because naturally you need gravity to drop the baby and the things we were taught during the natural birthing center, there's a lot of natural positions a woman, a mother can put her body into in order for the baby to be born with the help of gravity. If she's gonna be on a monitor, that means she has to sit in the bed the whole time and can't switch positions or do anything to encourage the baby to come out naturally, which can ultimately lead to her having a C-section if she doesn't have a baby um, by, by uh, 42 weeks. So we're in there. I'm applying uh, counter pressure on her for about 26 hours straight because she's having really bad contractions. Um, she declines the 24-7 monitoring because she wants to be able to move. They didn't like that. We can tell they didn't like that because they kept trying to push this consistent monitoring on us. So they made a sound. Of, they made a sign like a refusal of service with the consistent monitoring, which seemed kind of odd. 
So that's the second day of being in this hospital. Keep in mind, she's been in labor for three days at this point because she was in labor a day before we went into the hospital. So then we get, let's just fast forward um, to the fourth day because this is where the meat and everything really happens. Um, she starts contracting really bad. And then on the fifth day, they see that she's starting to dilate. So because of COVID protocol, you can only have two people in the hospital um, as your guest, as, as a mother. So obviously I was one of them, but we decided to have our black midwife as a second person because we wanted that assistance. And so that Sarai can feel comfortable with the woman she's been dealing with the whole time, who is also a black woman. Uh, shout out to Sydney. Um, we wanted her to come. So when she got around seven centimeters of dilation, we called Sydney to come in. Um, to come from where she was at. This was on the fifth day of labor. This was on the 19th. Sydney gets there and they're doing these procedures and, and, and then they say, hey, Sarai, you're fully dilated. We want to start pushing. Long story short, they have Sarai pushing for about four and a half hours and it turns out that she was not fully dilated. And what was happening was the baby's head was hitting a lip. So a doctor comes in after about four and a half hours of her pushing. They had put a device in her um, uh, whenever the baby's heart rate would drop, about six people would come in at a time and say, oh, we're real concerned. So there's a lot of scare tactics that would happen, you know, and they just weren't giving her time to be calm and, and kind of, you know, every time she would talk to them about something that she wanted to do, there was a lot of kickback. They kept having these recommendations. So that when our midwife got there, we would consult with her each time they had a recommendation because we felt like they were using a lot of scare tactics. And you know, just the nature and how they were treating us and talking to us up until that point and kind of ignoring the preferences, it, it really just didn't feel right. But we can tell every time we talk to our midwife that these white doctors did not like that. They seemed to get frustrated when we would consult with her. And because she couldn't be hands-on in the hospital because she didn't have privileges in the hospital, she couldn't touch us, but she could recommend certain things. So it got to the point where they realized that the baby's head is hitting a lip on her cervix because her cervix isn't fully dilated. So then all of a sudden, another doctor comes in and says, you know what, I have this practice I'm really, really good at. Um, I can try to, you know, dilate you fully if you'll let me. So what this doctor does, her name is Dr. Livingston. She comes in, she already has gloves, and then she begins to engage in this procedure inside of Sarai with these gloves that she already has on. A nurse offers her some different gloves and she refuses it. So she's doing this little service thing, this little white pompous, pompous doctor, Dr. Livingston. And after a while, you know, she has, um, uh, Sarai has an epidural in her back. Her head is below her head. So she's upside down while this lady is doing this procedure with an epidural in her back. And Sarai oh. says, are we making any progress? Because this is really painful and hurts. And the doctor starts laughing and goes, are we making any progress? <laughs> like just starts laughing. Like it was a joke. Looking around at all the nurses, like it was a joke. And we were like, Wait, what's funny, you know? And so Sarai verbatim, while this woman's fingers are in her vagina with these gloves that she did not switch out, says, so are we making progress or not? And the lady just kind of mimics her, goes, are we making progress? Well, you know, we're, we're working. And just has this pompous ass attitude. And then so Sarai asks to stop for a moment. It's like, can we stop? And the doctor gets mad and says, can we stop for what? And she's like, well, I just need a minute to breathe. And the doctor looks at her other at her other co-workers, like nurses, and goes, she needs to breathe for what? Like almost as if she was, like this was high school and she was like a mean girl, like irritated. And we're sitting here like, I don't get this energy. So Soraya's like, I need you guys to leave. You know, I, I, I need you guys to go, I need a minute to breathe. 
So long story short, the doctor who was in there gets mad, puts her hands on her hips, and walks out of the room. We don't give a fuck. Just leave. She leaves, blood. She's angry. She leaves and walks the fuck out of the room, the doctor. So at this point, Sarai is hysterical. She's crying, and I'm, I'm, I'm expediting the story because I know we don't have all the time to cover it. But long story short, I end up having to, we end up having to kick out two doctors because how they're treating Sarai and trying to use scare tactics. I end up having to go down the hall saying, there has to be a doctor here who can help us at this point. You guys have been having her push for four and a half hours. She wasn't fully dilated. You have this white woman coming here making a mockery of this black woman who has her yes, you can, above you can her head keep, and keep, trying to push. You're you stretching on going. her service. You don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to shorten the story. Tell your part. Okay. So I start having a curse and then the third doctor, there's three doctors on staff. The third doctor comes in and keep in mind, this is the fifth day. We've been advocating for ourselves. We've been refusing certain things they've been trying to suggest because we know the right things to get this baby to come out. We, we know we've been doing this for months. Sarai has been studying every day and has been so in tune with her body. So during this time, she's just meditating. We have the lavender oil on, we have the purple light. We're trying to breathe and the doctor comes in and I'm like, look, this is fucking bullshit. We done had two pompous ass, racist ass doctors treating us like shit, laughing at her while in her vagina, scoffing. One walked out and just walked away. Another walked in and just started making decisions without even consulting with us. And we had to check her and kick her out. Somebody needs to fucking do something. You know what I'm saying? Like at this point, I got to be the angry black man by how they're treating us. But at the same time, I can't be the angry black man because if I know if I turn up too much, they may kick my ass out the fucking hospital and she's going to be left in there by herself. So I got to you know how we got to put our anger in fucking pockets to to make our point. Right. Like when the when the objective is bigger than our current emotions. So I got to you know, I'm cursing this lady out. But at the same time, like these racist ass white ass doctors are treating us like shit. And there's nothing you can tell me to tell me this ain't some racist ass treatment. This shit is fucking ridiculous. I've had three other kids in the hospital and I know this is not how treatment is supposed to work. So this doctor comes in and is looking at Sarai trying to breathe while she's still contracting and doing all this shit. And they told her not to be pushing at this moment. And she starts trying to encourage Sarai. The reason why she starts trying to encourage Sarah is because I'm chewing her ass the fuck out and she doesn't want to talk about the issue of racism that I'm trying to bring up in this moment. So the, in order to deflect from the conversation, she's now doing her fucking job with the other two doctors should have done and it's starting to encourage Sarai to push. Keep in mind, Sarai has been in labor for four fucking days at this point. So at this point, she's like, I want you to, you know, um, we're going to have to have a conversation around 11 o'clock. I'll give you the space that you asked for when you kicked everybody out. But if you don't have this baby by midnight, we got to have a C-section because it'll be 42 weeks at midnight. So now somehow we've gotten to the point for Sarai having contractions on Thursday, getting them on Friday, going four days in the hospital, Friday to Monday, and no baby has came because they're constantly trying to promote their tactics and not listen to the natural suggestions that Sarai is making. At this point in time, Sarai is breathing. Um, they encourage her to push. They say, chill, we're going to come back at 11. So we come back at 11 and the doctor just comes in and says, Sarai, give me everything you got. You know, right before, you know, we got to settle this C-section. Sarai's like, I, I can't. I'm like, look, man, they're trying to cut you open. Give everything you got. Let's go. So long story short, this doctor does her job. 
She pushes. It's 11.45. Sarai sees some hair, gets motivated, and I swear she must have left the strength of black women. I've never seen no shit like this. The baby was born at 12.38. The baby was born 30 minutes after after 12 o'clock when we had to schedule C-Search. While Sarai was pushing, all these doctors who have been with us, all the nurses for the last five days are coming in as it's getting closer. They're looking, they're doing all this stuff. It's a fucking spectacle in there. There's like 15 staff members in there. We get to the point where Sarai, the, the baby's head is out. I get to pull the baby out and place her on Sarai's chest. And then all of a sudden, everybody fucking leaves. Nobody's in the room. The baby is on Sarai's chest. And I'm looking around in the, in the room. And nobody is in there other than me, Sarai, and our midwife. Everybody left as soon as the baby was born. Nobody checked her lungs to see if she was breathing. It sounded bubbly. Nobody checked her weight. She didn't come out crying. Nobody did anything to make her cry. Our midwife had to, had to stimulate the baby in order to make her cry. They left us, bro. And they left us in there because for the past five days up until that point, we had refused certain services and went along with what we knew would work naturally for Sarai to deliver that baby. And they were fucking tired of us. They left us, but they left us in that delivery room with the baby on Sarai's chest, Sarai's legs wide open after delivering a baby, bloody, all this other shit, and nobody is in the room. I had to get gauze. I had to clean Sarai off. I had to get the underwear that, that, that women use with the padding and all that shit. I had to peel her legs off of the bed. I had to put some pads on one at a time. I had to pick her up off of the hospital bed and put her into the wheelchair so we could be taken to post-delivery. And it was one nurse who came back in who helped us out. One nurse, but everybody left us. Everybody. Because by the time she had that baby, they were so sick and tired of us advocating. They were tired that we had a black midwife and we were consulting with her, that we showed skepticism in some of the things they had taught us or had told us um, uh, to, to put into practice. It was so many things that happened up to that point and they fucking left us, bud. And they took us to the post-delivery room. <laughs> they took us to the post-delivery room and at that point, I was like, we gotta get the fuck up out of here. I, I don't wanna be here. I'm not staying here. I don't trust anybody. So when the nurse came in for post-delivery and was like, how are you doing? I told her how the fuck we were doing. And every person, every staff member of that hospital who had to prick her, her, her heel to do anything, I told the story of what happened. We had upper management come in and talk to us. We had people who weren't surprised that Dr. Livingston's racist ass treated us that way. It was an absolute nightmare, bro. So by the time she got her, uh, Shy got her feet pricked, we had gotten early dismissal and ended up going home. I still abbreviated partly because I don't even want to talk about all of this shit. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I think the reason for bringing this up is that outside of the family court system and my son being allowed to go to Florida, I had never experienced racism on this level, bro. Like, I, I, I never... Like, there was nothing I can do all those days. Like, you know, during times where she was tired, I would speak up and say no. And I know they didn't like it, but I feel like they still got us. You know what I'm saying? Like they still were able to attempt to execute this unjust racist ass behavior on another black woman in fucking front of me. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like even though I was her advocate that whole time, I couldn't prevent her from experiencing this because they took 
the joy of her first baby. You know what I'm saying? Like she, she, this is this is her first baby. Like this is my fourth. She can't get that experience back. And by the time we left that hospital, she was crying in tears, saying she never wanted to have another baby again. And that was not in our plan. You know what I'm saying? Like, thank God she's healed and, and doesn't feel that way anymore. But it was so bad that she did not want to have another baby again, bro. Like they they left us in that hospital room and didn't come back. And the irony that during that week that our daughter was born, it was Black Infant Mortality Awareness Week. You know what I'm saying? So they got these flyers about Black infant death and the protection of Black mothers. And I watched them for five days ignore the 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 the, the spirit of this woman, ignore everything she recommended and suggested doing with her own body. I watched them upset about her advocating for herself. I watched these doctors' faces when we consulted with our black midwife right in front of them. I watched how they didn't like all that shit only to get the ultimate disrespect by all of them fucking leaving us in that birthing room, bro. And... Bro, I wanna, I wanna, I, I just, like, I, I see your face getting red and as you continue to tell the story. So I wanna, I wanna take a minute and just, and, and pause and if you both know me, I'm, I'm, I've been an advocate of always trying to find the positive in, in the situation. And as, as, as traumatic and as deep as this story is, I want to commend you and Sarai for your patience. And I know you were pretty much stuck between a rock and a hard place because you had to be there and you had to have this baby. But the diligence and, and, and the perseverance which you guys displayed in that moment is, 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 is monumental, bro. Like, I know Bell, and he's pretty reserved in in most tense cases. But I, I if I'm, I'm, I just like put him in your shoes, he'd have probably spazzed on day two, especially just being, you know, with with the wife and being protected with the family. Like it's just you, the, the, the patience you ex exude and exhibit exhibited was just is is it's through the roof. And for those who don't know, hold on, hold on, Bell. I want to I want to give P a, a shout out too because something he didn't mention, which I know wasn't part of the story, but we we conversed and facetimed over 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 the period of time when he was there and p you know goes home and gets the gets the lights and hangs up the lights in the room and tries to make it as as homey and as, as comfortable and as peaceful as possible for his lady so shout out to you for doing what a good black man should do in those moments and really really hold your lady down man and that's the part that obviously you didn't you didn't tell and people don't know but to to find a positive and if this brother did everything in his power to bring as much comfort and peace and support for his lady in the one in the perhaps most difficult time of her life which was supposed to be one of the most joyous times of her life you know what i'm saying so and, kudos and you know, to they, you guys for going through that and, and and you know doing what you had to do thanks bud. but you know you know the kicker of this whole thing man and i, I told her when we got to post delivery we broke down we both broke down crying because my whole thing during this pregnancy because my life is my life is as good as it looks you know what I'm saying? My answer is actually better than it looks. Whatever the public sees ain't really half of how good my life really is. And because my life is so good and because I know she's such a big part of that, my biggest fear with her getting pregnant was something happening to her, bud. And I never had that fear before. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was the fact that, you know what I'm saying, we planned this, it's happening, our uh, 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 money's straight, we're we not worried about not being able to provide. My biggest thing was I don't want like this is such a big blessing. Mm -hmm. The only thing that can deter this was something happening. And because her biggest fear 
was having to have a baby in a hospital. When we got to that point in the hospital, I couldn't help but maybe beat myself up because of my fear the whole pregnancy. I was like, did I somehow manifest this situation because my biggest fear was, you know what I'm saying? Like something happening to her during this pregnancy. I didn't know if I, if I manifested it because I fought it all pregnancy. Like there were days where she'd be like, what's wrong? And I couldn't tell her because I'm looking at her like, I fucking love you. I don't want anything to happen to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I just, I just want you to be okay. And when we got into that space in the hospital, it was hard to keep a smile on my face and keep her encouraged because the whole time I'm like, yo, P, like, manifesting is real. That's why your life is like this. Did you, did you somehow, like, stress or worry yourself into this position for her? You, I'm, I'm not sure if that makes sense. You know, it makes you perfect sense. sense. So it, it makes perfect sense. Just let me just let me just let me give you um let me cut you off real quick, Prentice. Um yeah. cause we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna share some statistics on infant mortality. Um just so our, our listeners understand that this isn't this isn't something that you manifested, right? Like you may feel like that. You may feel like you brought your own personal situation on yourself, but I promise you there, that is a, a learned fear, right? It's not something that you created. And, and, and as a result, you are watching it play out. Unfortunately, um, we're about to go full screen and show you, show you some statistics and I'm, I'm gonna continue talking, but unfortunately, man, for these statistics that you see right here, right? This is why, right? Like this is why you felt that way. Like you, you're not, you're not dumb. You understand what you're up against, which is beyond your control, right? Like there's nothing close, right? So there was there was reason and logic behind it. Now I say I say that, and we'll, I, I, I'll move on from statistics. As a black man, right? For me. One of my biggest fears, right? I actually had this dream uh, last night or the night before. One of my biggest fears in life, in life, is being in a position where you can't protect. Man. Right? And Man. I commend you. Like, I got emotional listening to you. And I heard the story before, but I got emotional listening to you because it took me back to when my son was born, right? And, and my experience was completely different. You know what I'm saying? And I'm and, and Chief knows I'm not an emotional guy. My 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 experience with my son's birth was probably as smooth as it could possibly go. And I still got emotional. So I can only imagine how I would be in that situation. And you're a more emotional person than me. So I'm just envisioning the internal battle that you were dealing with at that time, coupled with the fact that in the back of your mind, you kind of thought this was your fault, right? Because of what you projected and what you manifested. So I can I, only I, imagine. I, I, yeah, you know what? I, I didn't. I didn't feel like it was my fault. I just couldn't help because I know the true power of manifestation. I couldn't help but consider the primary fear that I had been going through the past ten months 
because it had been a thought for so long, I couldn't help but constantly reconsider the fact that that could have played a part in manifesting it. I, I, you hear the stories, you know what I'm saying? But you you kind of glaze over them unless you're, you're, you're touched directly or you're impacted directly enough to really feel it. You know what I'm saying? So I look at the statistics and it makes all the sense. But when you, like you said, bro, like that, that position of having to protect and provide as men the people we care about, it, it reminded me of butt breaking from slavery. You know what I'm saying? It reminded me when they took the biggest, the, the, the father, and beat him in front of the family. It reminded me of when they took the mother and raped her in front of the husband and children. You know what I'm saying? Like how they, they mentally dismantle our families in front of other family members and how the system in, in the medical field is designed to do this. Like she behaves this way because she can't. You know, Dr. Livingston at Alta Bates Medical Center behaves in this racist ass pompous way with black women because she can't. You know what I'm saying? And the interesting thing was once it went viral when Sarai started talking about it, all the nurses on shift started hitting me in my DM. But they hit me in my DMs to express concern, but not only express concern, but then turn around and check and see if they did something wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear what happened to you. I was the nurse with the brunette hair and the short cut, and I was wondering, did I do anything to me? And it's like, oh, you feel a little bit of heat. You know what I'm saying? So you're not really concerned if if, if you're not concerned about what happened because you see that shit happen. Absolutely, CYA. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. You see, you're, you're some of the nurses that are in here while the doctors are behaving this way who aren't saying anything to them about their behavior. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't call and, and ask if we're okay now. You get what I'm saying? Like, I, we're not, I, no, no, I, I, we're not okay. I, I would have sent them all the clip from next Friday. Why did they do nothing when the big bitch jumped on me? Like, that, that's <laughs> what I to everybody. Like that would have been my so response. I told a lot yeah. of them that. I told a lot of them that when when they wrote me, and then it got silenced. The response didn't come back. And 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 yeah. the thing I think is how they're accomplices to this type of behavior. If you see the behavior and you don't say anything, you're just as big as part of the problem. You can you know what I'm saying? You're allowing this behavior. Yeah. To happen. Yeah. Man. I don't know, bro. That. So Here's what I'll say, we, had, we had to, we had to fall back from it for a couple of weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just got tired of talking about it. She was so traumatized over it that every time family came by, the story came over. And it took me about four or five days to have a breakdown in front of the uh, in front of the house, in front of her mom, because it was a day after when her mom came. And I had to apologize to her mom because I was like, I did everything in my power to protect your daughter. Like, I... I probably like her mother loved that's my mama. You know what I mean? I know her mother loves it, but I felt like like I'm responsible for her daughter now. You know what I'm saying? And there's nobody more important in her life than her mother to me. And I felt like I had to apologize for somehow dropping a ball that was never even in my hands. You know what I'm saying? Because I just felt like here she is with this trauma now and not being able to move and function and relive this image in our head and I couldn't stop it. You know, like I just couldn't stop this fucking outcome. As much as I promote the advocacy of protecting black women, I felt like I didn't protect my own, man. And it just really, 
made me look into how systemic this situation is with black women um, giving birth in hospitals, man. It's a big, big problem. And that's a, that's yeah, enough to really, really impact and, 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 and affect the, the mental health of, of, of a black man. Like in, if you're put in a position to where you have to explain to your love's mom that, yo, I couldn't protect your baby. Like that's hard, man. That's a lot of weight, yo. That's a lot of weight, P. And, and, and I'm actually very <laughs> thankful that we had, that we had to have, that we happened to have this conversation in the moment and kind of at least, you know, keep you balanced and slightly level-headed in that moment. Because I think, you know, without these, I mean, it wasn't, we did, we talked pretty long, but like, I think without those conversations, man, and being able to get some of that out to your homies, I think like, I don't, you don't know what kind of damage that could have really done to you, bro. Cause I, it's a lot, man. And I know, I know what our families mean to us. So I, I you know I mean? It's, it's, it's even more so just because, you know, it's, this is, this is family and it's personal. You know what I'm saying? Like we could deal with our own shit in our own way. But when we got to put the weight of others on our hearts, man, it's, it's a lot, bro. Yeah, it is, it is, man. Real quick, guys, I think what we should do is make this a two-part episode, right? Because that's the story, right? Like that's that's what happened. That's what you that's what you experienced. Now, now as a black man, what do we do going forward? Right? So I think that's where yeah. the conversation can come, right? And we don't have enough time to get to it now, but I, that's why I think we should make this a two-part episode because this is a heavy topic, right? And and 30 minutes isn't enough for it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I don't, again, that wasn't the plan, but I mean, how do y'all feel about that? I'm with it. I'm with it, because we, we, we have to, yeah, how you feel, Chief? I mean, how, we're, we're, how much time we got? I just, you know, this is one of the things we, where- We gotta, we, we, we gotta, we gotta give, up, give our final thought. Um, okay, so in in the well, spirit in the spirit in the spirit of trying to recreate the cast, we're trying to keep it concise and whatnot. So I think you know, just in the spirit of the movement, we're trying to go and we gotta we, we can give it another episode and really and really dive into what happens now or, or or you know our our thoughts about it. So yeah, I guess. And let me yeah yeah what I'll do I'm a um I'm gonna draft that up because I know the points that we need to address. I know I know what what ideas come in my head because when we talk about. Yeah. When we talk about protect black women, I don't know if we really think about this shit. I think we just think of the insults they receive on social media and our treatment to them only. Protecting them from, from, from clear and present danger. Right. Protecting right. them from clear the immediate, the immediate danger, right? Yep. Not not yep. not the things we, we think about when it comes to bringing a child into this world or or what about the what about the millions of black mothers who go into these hospitals with no advocate, who take these doctors' words as Bible? You, you get what I'm or, saying when they have what, a hatred towards who you are. Or, in addition to that, going there by themselves. Yeah, we'll say with, the, with no significant other. Yeah, with no advocate. Yeah. With no advocate, yeah. doped up off of these meds, like they had her. She had me there. There's a lot of women who don't have this. So there's a lot of doctors, there's a lot of situations in hospitals like Alta Bates who place themselves in communities of color, one. You get what I'm saying? These are in communities of color. And, and these women are coming in by the droves and they don't have all the knowledge. Not all of them were taught about, you know, natural home birthing and things of that nature and remedies and things you can use to 
to open your cervix and things you can drink. They don't have all of that information and they trust and we rely on these doctors to bring our babies in peacefully. But how can we expect our babies to be brought in peacefully if the first people who are touching them hate the vessel that's carrying them? That don't make sense to me. Yeah. So yeah, we need to and, we need to talk about it. We need a part two because it's things that we got to talk about as black men to discuss what protecting black women really looks like. Looks like, yeah, exactly. And how do we and, um, and how do we do that when we feel like we failed them? Because I definitely, I, I I know it's not my fault, but I definitely feel a sense of failure. I tell you like this, man. We got you, bro. That's what I tell you, right? And I think. I know you're not the only person that has experienced something to this like this to this degree. So I feel yeah. that secondary conversation will um, be far reaching, right? Just like this conversation is. But uh, I'll, I'll give my final thought, guys. My final thought is, man, we have to use our resources. That's what I'll say. We have to use our resources, right? Prentice, you use your resource with the natural home. Um, birth is what you, where, where you wanted to go. You had your own midwife, right? Using your resource, using us as, as a platform and an opportunity to get some of this stuff out as you've done on your own social media outlets. But use our resources, whatever that means for you. Like that's that's my final thought. Uh, and me, Chief, I, I'm a, I'm a, you, you go last, man. I, I'm gonna I'm give okay. my, my final thought and I want you to go last, Chief. Um, my final thought is 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 kind of like I said earlier. Um, if we're going to talk about the protection of Black women, we are going to need to start thinking uh, beyond what you were saying, Bill. Like the clear and present immediate danger, because there are so many other places where our women are placed in environments where they are not protected and not safe. Hundred uh, percent. I think for me. It's uh, the the message I'm getting here is just is, is perseverance, and it's 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 overcoming. It's, it's you know we we as in black people have been put through it all, and we're still being we're still being put through it all. But somehow we 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 find a way. You know what I'm saying? And even in the midst of all this trauma, all this trauma, racism, negativity, my man got a baby girl. You know what I'm Dang. saying? Like. Like there's, like there's, at the end of the day, we made it through. We can deal with the bullshit, but we gotta, we have to challenge ourselves to find the light in that moment of darkness, in these moments of darkness, and, and use that to help push us through. Because at the end of the day, P, you have a beautiful, healthy baby girl. The family's intact, and you guys have now come together and helped to maintain each other's mental health, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, they tried it, didn't work. And that's that's it. And that's that's that is unfortunate, and, but it's a beautiful thing that we're on the other end of it. And you and you gonna get the last laugh. So you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah yo, with it, that man. with that being said, y'all hit my man up. What is it? Prentice Powell nineteen oh six on all social media platforms. It's right there up under the pictures. Do you see the new production? They can just plop them jaws in. So if if you get a response on our on our our all black men need therapy, it's probably me because I ain't got shit else to do. (laughs) (laughs) But yo, hit my man, hit my man P up, send him some love, man. You know, some good well wishes and whatnot. P 
hit us up at all black men need therapy at gmail on all on all social media outlets all black men need therapy let us know your thoughts on the episode your thoughts on future episodes any anything you want to share with us shout out to my man who just emailed us too i can't i don't i didn't want to mess up his name it was it's I don't, i'm not i'm gonna get it right i think it's tish Tish, we appreciate you, man. Yes, we, 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 had, we had a long convo about your email and whatnot. We appreciate you for reaching out, and thank you very much, man. Um, y'all, per usual, man, thank you all for tuning in. Hit us up. We'd love to hear from y'all. Give us some more followers. Try and get a followers up. Tell a friend to tell a friend, and do us all a favor, man. Hug a black man today. Do it. <laughs> and tomorrow, y'all. Do it. We out.